0: Guys, today is July 16th, which is a special day. It's National Ice Cream Day. (laughs) So, but July 13th through 15th was our regional vineyard youth conference. And so I, my name is Nick. I'm the youth pastor here and actually just got back from that conference. And guys, this conference was truly a life changing time in not just the students, but also the volunteers in my life as well. It was as if a flag was placed in the ground, and there was before the Sons and Daughters Conference and after the Sons and Daughters Conference. We had uh, five students and one leader uh, receive physical healing. Uh, There were encounters with the Lord that we're going to do our best to explain on Youth Sunday, but it's hard to even explain. But I th- I think the best way to sum it up is God was just, he was so palpably present in the room, and we just got to be with him. Uh, I just remember students saying, I'm so excited for the session. I can't wait till it starts. Like, how typical is that of people ages 12 to 18 that they want to go sit for three and a half hours and listen to people talk about God and worship and we were all just so hungry for it and so excited and we didn't want it to end so i'm gonna invite up glory matthews uh, to come and just give you guys a little teaser So this is just uh, one testimony, one story, and we're going to have more to share with you guys. If you want to hear more, be be sure to be here on August 13th. So that is Youth Sunday. We will be taking over this service, and we'll be doing the greeting, the worship, the slides, and the speaking. So we'll be sharing many more testimonies from this conference. You'll get to see some pictures, uh, maybe even a video. Uh, But now, will you just give Glory a round of applause, if that okay? And really just what the Lord uh, did in her life. So, Glory, will you just share with us some of your experience at the conference?
1: Yeah, um, so like Nick said, I'm Gloria Matthews, um, I was at the youth conference and so a few days ago, day of leaving the youth conference, uh, I went to a chiropractor appointment and he said that my back was really messed up. I've broken my tailbone twice um, and he said that some of the joints in my back were fusing together and it had been sitting like that for seven years without any like work done or anything. And so at the conference, the first night, um, the woman on stage said, does anyone have any chronic pain in their back? And I raised my hand. I was one of the many people who raised their hands. And she was like, okay, people around them, put your hand on them and pray for them. And I had about maybe six or seven people pray for me, and the swelling in my back went down. And I had about pain maybe around a seven or an eight, and it's down to maybe like a three now. And so that was one of the really awesome things that happened. And then <clears throat> she had me come up on stage and tell everyone what happened. And then she had me pray a prayer of healing. And so I did that. And then I got off stage and she was like, did anyone feel anything change? And a girl raised her hand and said that she had scoliosis and that her back just like shifted back into place and a few other people said that their back felt a lot better, but that was one that really stuck to me, and then the second night, someone pushed me back up on stage, and I got blessed by whoever was speaking there, and there was a lot of stuff that happened that night. I got prophesied over twice about being a prophet and healing, Um, and then the third day, the last day, I went up and shared my testimony again, and they prayed over me and blessed me again about being a prophet, a healer, and all that fun stuff, and that's what happened.
0: Mm. So, we are looking forward to sharing more with you guys in four weeks, so see you then. <laughs> Glory? Glory? Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Glory, you heard the man. (laughs) So can we just extend a hand to Glory? And then let's just activate um, this word that she received at the conference uh, of being a prophet and a healer, Um, because that just really sits right. And so, Father, we, uh, we just agree with that um, that glory is, uh, your prophet and your healer. I pray that this can be a time, uh, that marks an increase in that, in her life. I pray that she can walk out expectantly and knowing that she is those things. She's going to start hearing your voice, Lord, uh, in ways uh, that are fun and creative. She can start to be bold and just start to ask, like, God, I'd like to start you know, getting more pictures, more visions. I want to start hearing you in my dreams and then waking up and having an angel tell me what my dream means so I understand it. Um, father, I pray that, uh, people start to seek her out, um, for healing, um, that she just starts getting requested to be prayed for, that people are highlighted to her, uh, that, uh, need healing specifically in the area of back pain and scoliosis, father, that you can just bring more to her, um, for her to pray over and, uh, that you just anoint that and, uh, your heavenly name. Amen.
2: Amen. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, glory. There's a lot going on today. So um, I love words, and I love the way God uses words to communicate his word to us in many ways. We just prayed for glory. That's her name, um, because God's worked in her. We just prayed for glory, and I think God wants to send glory um, to us. So that's not lost on me. Now, here's an interesting thing. A part of the Matthews clan, her name is Grace. Grace. And today, after the service, we're sending Grace. Uh, Grace is with YWAM and headed to Brazil in a little bit of time. Uh, You can clap. Grace, you want to stand? Grace is a missionary that we've supported for a couple of years now with YWAM in various capacities. And Grace and her family will be hosting a little time in the youth room afterwards. So if you want to send Grace into the world um, in every way, then just hang out with them afterwards. Okay. All right, let's stand. Doesn't mean the sermon's over. Um, God was speaking to me during worship, while God was speaking to a lot of people, and what I heard Him say, it seemed to me in uh, in my spirit, was uh, here's an invitation for the people today, a step forward and a step in, and I think it goes with some of the words that were given. So, because I like to be practical, and my wife is an activator, and I want to getting good with her. Um, I'd like to activate that word. So um, as you've worshiped and as you've listened to those encouragements, the prophetic word and in the invitations, the songs that we sang, um, even hearing glory's testimony and all of that, I would like to encourage you to literally take a step forward and take a step in. So um, get your stuff. And literally walk forward a row and walk in a row. However you're able to do that, there's no legalism here. But as you're doing it, I just want, go ahead and do it. I mean it for real. As you're doing it, I, I um, suggest that you reposition your heart with God. You say to the Lord, even as you're moving, God, here I am. I'm taking a step toward you and I'm taking a step into your heart and the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. So God, as these people, uh, gloriously and somewhat obediently, are moving, I thank you for the invitation. I thank you for the invitation, God, to step nearer to you, to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and to come in closer to the heart of God. And we ask for that today, that every single person here would experience a new level of nearness and a new power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. In Jesus' name, you can be seated. I know we're weird sometimes, but have you ever read the Bible? (laughs) All right, Uh, one last thing before we start. Uh, Ray, uh, would you mind just going to the uh, children's area and saying, we might be a tad late today? Yeah, I just, uh, we respect all that happens in the children's ministry, and my guess is we could go a little longer. Um, As I've heard a speaker say, if you're done before I am, you're welcome to go. (laughs) So uh, last week, uh, we talked about coming to Jesus, humbly, willingly, honestly, to come to Jesus with our striving and our fearful selves. You know, Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and you'll receive rest. We talked about receiving from Jesus his yoke, his his perfect calling, his perfect um, will for our lives, and the way that he has designed for us to walk in the world. Not somebody else's, but what he's given to us to carry in the world. We talked about walking in trust with Jesus, learning his gentleness and his humility, and um, therefore to find rest in our minds, in our wills, in our emotions. And if you remember, I talked excessively about an exercise program, but I won't go back into that. This week, uh, we're in Romans 8, so I just encourage you right now, pull out your Bible, however you have it, device, uh, physical Bible. We've got Bibles in the front on both sides, so if you need one, go get it. The scripture will not be on the screen this morning, so I'm going to read it, but I'd love for you to be in it as we're walking through it. In Romans 8, Paul uh, describes the reality and the power revealed in the work of Jesus on the cross on our behalf. Uh, That power, that freedom in our lives that both demands and enables us to live like Jesus. Both demands, that's the calling, and enables, that's the power, to actually live like Jesus, fully dependent on the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus was. So we're going to spend a little bit of time on some theological truths related to the work of Jesus on the cross and the Spirit's indwelling power. We're going to take a little time attempting to apply that truth, if we possibly can. Uh, For those of us sitting right here in in these seats, like standing on this stage, living in this culture and in this time of life, my goal is not to explain everything to you. My goal is to make you jealous. Honestly, my goal is to, is to push you into truth, push you into God, make you long for um, the reality and the power of the Holy Spirit in your lives to live out the life that God's called you to live. That is really my goal. By the way, the passage uh, begins with a therefore, um, and the therefore relates to the previous three chapters, which we will not go into But Romans 5, 6, and 7, where Paul talks about the calling, the work of God in Christ, the calling, and the struggle of the believer. Anyone feel a struggle occasionally? The struggle of the believer um, to live the life of Jesus, even though we've been renewed by the Holy Spirit, the reality that sometimes we still struggle with sin. So let's read the passage. This is Romans 8, uh, verses 1 to 12. I'm reading from the NIV. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit Maybe just hear that emphatically, those of you in Christ. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. God, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would add your blessing, um, Holy Spirit, your illumination, your understanding, and your application to this, your word for us this morning. Amen. So this is a famous chapter, uh, lots of information here. Just a quick outline, it begins with an incredible and an encouraging reality, no condemnation for those in Christ. It moves to the redeeming work of God in the past, and then God's reason for that work then a description of two types of people and this critical practice, the setting the mind on the things of the Spirit and not the flesh. This critical practice that distinguishes these two types of people, the one governed by the flesh and the one governed by the Spirit. And then we get this encouraging, more encouraging truth and it ends with this affirmation of our destiny. We're going to go to heaven. God's going to bring us life. And this declaration of our freedom, We no longer have to sin. I mean, I'm going to spend another 20 minutes saying a lot of words, but I love that last part. We no longer have to sin. So let's uh, pray for a minute and dive in. Uh, God, uh, would you slow down time? That would be really great. And um, more importantly, God, would you uh, clarify what it is that we need to hear this morning from this scripture And God, do more as you have promised than we could ever ask or imagine right here in our midst in this time, in Jesus' name. We start with a present reality. We start with, Paul starts with an amazing truth. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's just awesome news. Um, It doesn't mean that we won't feel condemnation. It doesn't mean that we won't feel accusation it doesn't mean that there won't be struggle affliction challenge or listen i'm sorry but even consequences in this life to our sin paul is not diminishing the consequences of sin he's highlighting that sin does not have an eternal judgment upon us i mean this is really good news if you read chapters 1 uh, roman chapter 1 through 7 man he hits hard with sin what the the effect of sin is, the power of Jesus on the cross, even the struggle within the life of the believer. And then he comes to Romans 8, and it's like he shakes his head and say, here's the good news, no condemnation. No condemnation. You cannot be found due to pay for your sin. Doesn't mean we dismiss sin or say it's not important, but you cannot sin your way out of God's grace. God's grace is more powerful than our sin. And it's not just in the physical and the spiritual, it's in the emotional. When you walk daily and you feel accusation, condemnation from your past, other people, AKA, no, (laughs) other people, and also the devil, there's no condemnation. That's just theological truth. We could do sermons on that. We won't. It's just true. Uh, Tattoo it to your forehead backwards so you can look in the mirror and read it every morning. What was done in the past? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. We were under bondage to the law. Before Jesus, we had to obey the law to get near to God, or we would end up failing and apart from God and in hell. And guess what? We couldn't do it. None of us. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did. Just say, God did. God did. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. It's about 400 years of controversy in theology and books written on that verse. Just trust me, it's true. <laughs> God did what we couldn't in Christ. The New Living Translation says it this way, and because you belong to him, that is Jesus, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. We could not do what God demanded, period. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his son, Jesus, in a body like the bodies we sinners have. Jesus walked like we did, tempted in all ways, Hebrews tells us, yet without sin. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Good news, we belong to Jesus. We're freed from the power of sin by the Holy Spirit. We are freed from the power of sin. Not freed from temptation, not freed from struggle, Freed from the overwhelming power of sin in our lives. We are free to be righteous. We've been made righteous by Jesus and we can walk it out. I'm not saying it's simple. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying we'll ever get it done before God takes these bodies and redeems us in heaven. But we have power to live righteously. Sin's control over us is ended. Why did God do this? Paul says, and so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Why did God do this work? So that we who belong to Jesus would not be bound anymore by the law. I mean, do you feel it sometimes in your body? Like, I gotta do right, I gotta do right, I'm not gonna do right, I didn't do right, I'm done. And God did the work so that that would no longer be our reality. We've tried to bear the impossible weight of the law, the impossible weight of trying to do everything right and perfectly. And Jesus satisfied the law. When Jesus died on the cross, he did it all. He lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death. He was raised from the dead for our resurrection from the dead. Jesus did it all. It doesn't mean that we don't obey and we don't seek after holiness. Do you hear that? It doesn't mean that we, don't just, we just throw everything aside. Well, I'm clean in Jesus. I can do whatever I want. Paul's words in another chapter of Romans, may it never be. It doesn't mean we don't obey. It does mean that failure does not equal death. Failure does not equal death. I may be the only one in the room who needs to hear that, but I'll say it again. Failure does not equal death. And so we have a new power and a new ability to live righteously, uh, righteous and God-glorifying lives that lead to life and peace. Who would rather have life and peace than death? I mean, if those are the choices, like, here's life and peace, and then you want death. The reality is we sometimes choose the way of death. We sometimes choose the way of death. Now, we move to, there are two types of people in the world. We're kind of getting to the nitty-gritty. God bless Nick, who God is working in and through in mighty ways. Two types of people in the world that Paul describes. He says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the spiritual desires. Paul's just saying, you know, like the great comedians or something. You know, there are two kinds of people in the world. There are ones whose minds are set on what the flesh wants, motivated and empowered by that. And then there are those whose minds are set on what the Holy Spirit wants, motivated and empowered by that realm of reality, a spiritual and a heavenly reality. So I just want to deal with a couple of words and definitions because we're getting into some deep stuff here. When you see in the Bible, those who live according to either the flesh or the spirit, what Paul's talking about is a mindset, a way of living that either is motivated and empowered by sin or motivated and empowered by God. I mean, and you probably feel that in your own lives. You know, you can wake up thinking, I'm going to follow Jesus. It's going to be great. And then something comes up and you realize, i got another idea. I've got another way to find happiness, joy, contentment, safety, security, control, power, affection, esteem. So the contrast is between those dominated by sin and its desires, and those controlled by the Holy Spirit and God's desires. When you see the word flesh in the Bible, it can be complicated at times. But it, this means not your actual body. There's another Greek word for the actual body. This word in this passage, flesh, is talking about the sinful habits and desires that we all feel that are still connected to our body. Does that make sense? We meet Jesus. Jesus gives us a new nature. We're now children of God. We got the power of the Holy Spirit in us. We are one hundred percent and perfectly righteous before God. And then we got this body. Tag on it. We got this body that is also connected to other desires and habits that, honestly, we've been feeding for many, many years. So Paul spent a lot of time in the previous chapters talking about the struggle with sin, even though he knew what was right. It's these conflicting motivations and powers within us. Can you identify with conflicting powers and motivations within us? And at the end of Romans 7, Paul says, who will rescue me from this body of death? And then he says, thanks be to God, it's Jesus. And then he goes into Romans 8 and says, woo no condemnation. Let's go for it. Um, theologians, scholars, Christians disagree on whether after we come to Christ, we have two natures, or we have one nature. Do we retain the sinful nature? Do we just have one and then we got the body? Uh, we could spend a lot of time talking about that. I'll just confess, my personal view is we have one nature after Jesus Jesus killed the old nature, but we've got a body. We've got a body that remembers sin and is pretty good at it. That body includes mind, will, um, a whole, the whole being. If you strongly believe and have read people that say there are two natures, that's, that's okay. I'm good with that. You can still be in the vineyard. I don't think you have to understand theologically what that truth is to recognize there's a struggle with sin in the world and to recognize we have power over it. The power of the Holy Spirit within us enables us, calls us to live righteously. To the extent that we Christians retrain our minds retrain our wills, retrain our emotions that are motivated and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we will more and more move into godly character. What we do is eventually who we become. And so when I think of, and i am just read this from someone this last week and it struck me as true, so I'm now claiming it, um, character is the sum of our is the sum total of our ba- of our habits, whether good or bad. Maybe you've heard this. I heard this back in uh, college. It had a big impact on me. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. It kind of hit me, like man, when I sow into these thoughts, it. It causes me to do things, bless you, it causes me to do things, which, co- which brings habits, grooves in my brain that say, here's the way to live life, which creates a total sum of my habits, a character, which eventually points to a destiny, what my life will look like. I'm not talking eternal destiny, personally. I'm saying, in this life, you're moving towards life or you're moving towards death, a life that's life and peace or a life that is moving towards death. It's get, it gets happier, I promise. And I got two more minutes, so don't worry about it. So we come to the critical practice. Verse 6, Romans 8, 6. We come to the critical practice that distinguishes the mindset of the flesh, those governed and motivated by the flesh, the body, still we're stuck in it, even though Jesus is inside, from the one, the mind that's governed by the Spirit, which ends up in, according to the verse, life and peace. And I'll just remind you, we all chose life and peace. No one says, I think I'll vote for death. So if we allow our flesh, our old motivations, our old habits to control our minds, we are moving towards a death-like experience. You've experienced it, you've felt it, you've seen it in others, it's reality. As we submit our minds to the Holy Spirit, that is the scripture that the Holy Spirit wrote, that is the collective word of God that the Spirit gives through other people, that is accountability, that is truth, that is study. As we submit ourselves to the mindset of the Holy Spirit, what we get out of that, life and peace. I wish I could say, you know, make the change, you'll have life, life and peace tomorrow and it'll never, it'll never go away. I didn't understand that either. I don't think it works that way. Thanks, Grace. Uh, I'm going to put a number of links on my notes uh, after this message because I think there's a lot there. I took from a lot. I've I've got a lot to give. I can't give it all here. So on our website, a link to to the audio of this will be my notes and then a lot of recommendations, books, resources, inside the church and outside the church. To deal with this, how do we focus our minds, have a mindset of the things that the spirit wants as opposed to the flesh? But I I read a great piece from Ken Boa, uh, who a friend of mine loves, on this chapter. And I won't go into it all, but I'll link to it. Um, He's got two hour-long messages on these verses. Just a couple of thoughts. Each of us has a unique flesh or sin signature. What Ken Boa says is, you know, we've all been wounded in in a fairly specific way. We don't want to focus always on the wounds, but if we don't recognize the wounds, it's really hard to live in healing. So we each have sort of a unique flesh uh, or sin or flesh signature, something that twisted us, that caused us to look for what Thomas Keating says, programs for happiness. Every one of us has kind of a... uh, um, a design through our lifestyles program of happiness. Here's how I will make my life great. The failure is right there in the eye. Here's how I will save myself. Here's how I will make everything, here's how I will be successful. Thomas Keating talks about three programs for happiness the, the, uh, the drive to security and survival the drive for affection and esteem, and the drive for power and control. Think about that. Read the notes. Ask the Holy Spirit. He'll speak pretty quickly. Oh, I know what I'm all about. I know what I'm pushing towards. I see it in my life, and I feel it in my soul. Our deepest self the truest thing about you in Christ is that you are in Christ. The truest thing about us is that we're redeemed. We're whole. We're righteous before God. There's no condemnation. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the deepest thing about us. But just because we came to Jesus doesn't mean that all those old memories, all those old wounds, all those old lies, all those old Uh, those old scripts and stories about our life and what they look like, they don't just go away automatically. I wish they would. We're charismatics. We want God to zap us and heal us. I'm all for it. Sometimes God zaps and heals. For the most part, we have to walk in the reality of the new nature in Jesus and this body which still has its habits still has its wounds, still has its background and its lies and its scripts. And the process of sanctification, being set apart and holy in the life of the believer, is consistently walking in the practices that put our minds on the things of the Spirit rather than the things of the flesh. It's hard. It's not easy it's not instantaneous. It would be fun if we had a theology that you were zapped and perfect and could never sin. Unfortunately, it doesn't work in the world. It doesn't fly with the whole reality test. So a couple thoughts on the practical aspect of the mind set on the, on the spirit versus the flesh. It's a practice. It's a practice. That means moment, moment, By moment, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. Do you see where I'm headed with this? A lifelong practice of training our minds to look at what the Spirit wants, motivated and empowered by the Spirit. It's applying our empowered will to consistently practice choosing the motivation and the mindset of God over the motivation and mindset of the flesh. You're gonna feel the flesh, you're gonna feel the temptation in an interaction with a person, in an interaction with a substance, or a a, a mindset, or a way to go about life, to work things. You're going to feel it. If Jesus is in you, you have the power to say no to that, and yes to God. The more we say yes to God and righteousness, the more we say yes to God and righteousness. The less we do it, the less we do it. We God created our brains with the ability to create habits. And what we choose over and over and over again creates habits within us. We're becoming more flesh-like or we're becoming more spirit-like. 1 Timothy, Paul says, um, physical training is good. That's why the e Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So much of what Paul's talking about is training in righteousness. Training your brain, training your will, training your emotions to obey the Spirit of God rather than the flesh that we walk in. I'm going to sort of skip to the end of the passage and summarize. Paul says the same spirit that brought Jesus back from physical death to physical life lives in us who know Jesus and frees us from bondage to spiritual sin and spiritual death. The reality is we're saved. We're different. We're new. We're empowered by God to make different choices. We can do it. Not simple, not easy, but possible. Not simple, not easy, but possible. And it takes training. You and I can, in fact, Paul would say, must cooperate with God who lives in us by the Holy Spirit to become increasingly like Jesus in our mind, in our will, and in our emotions and in our chosen actions. It's why we want to celebrate healing know, we want to celebrate what happened in glory. I don't know that that means she'll never have another trouble in her life or problem or will never have a back pain, but I pray it's true. But we want to celebrate. God did a work. Now she's going to walk in it. God gave her a, a gift. God gave her a prophetic word. God spoke into her destiny. We want to celebrate that and encourage her to use it. Guess what? Sorry, glory. She might fail. Shocker. She's a human, and we might fail, but we celebrate what God has done and increasingly move towards what God wants to do. I'll end with a declaration and an affirmation. End of the passage. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. This is a declaration of your destiny. You are increasingly destined to become like Jesus, and you are ultimately destined to be with Jesus forever. We won't deal with sin in heaven. We won't deal with those old wounds and old lies and old stories. I don't know what we'll do. Will we just laugh at them? Will we forget them? Will we tell stories on each other? Hey, Randy, remember that time you... I don't know what we'll do but we won't be bound by them. We won't struggle anymore. That's our destiny. And Paul ends with an affirmation of freedom. Brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh, to live according to it. Another translation says, we have been set free from the control of sin by Jesus. We have a calling and we have a power to live by the holy spirit the more we do so the more we experience life and peace the motivation and the direction of our minds leads us either to a death like experience or an increasingly life and peace like experience and training discipline work cooperation admission confession honesty repentance discipleship do you hear all that is all required At any point, we're headed one way or another, towards the death-like or towards the life and peace-like. What we allow to motivate and empower us is crucial. And we have the power of that choice. Where we choose to focus our minds is crucial. Before I finish, just a recognition. Many of the tactics that we employ that we believe will lead to life end in death. And this is where community comes in. You find someone. You open up to someone and say, hey, when you look at my life, what breeds life and what breeds death? And the loving person says to you, you know when you do this one thing that you think will really help you? Not so much. That doesn't help. That actually hurts. That's the truth that releases power for admission, confession, healing, and empowerment to be righteous people. The heart that's set on Jesus and the Holy Spirit breeds life and peace. And that's our invitation. Let's stand. If I could ask the ministry team to come forward. Um, I don't know if Delena and Nick have some more words of encouragement. I'll just give you a, sort of a general uh, prayer and then we'll see what else God wants to do. Uh, it is about noon. And so if you sense in your spirit that your children are wailing Uh, go get them and bring them back and bring them back for a ministry time let's pray God there's a lot of my words and I hope a lot of your words and I, I know that the presence of the Holy Spirit is here so I ask in the name of Jesus would you release revelation and truth into Establish the reality of the new nature, the new creation. God, Holy Spirit, come and reveal to us those old wounds and those old strategies so that we might know what to leave behind and what to grab onto. Holy Spirit, do your work. We ask God for now a filling of the Holy Spirit, a revelation of the Holy Spirit in each one this morning. So that we would walk out today, not burdened by a must, but empowered by a can. Empowered by the Holy Spirit that lives within us. Holy Spirit, come and do your work among your people, your beloved, your new creations, your sons and your daughters. Come and do your work, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: We had two words of knowledge this morning um, for physical healing. One was a ballet type of injury. So if you have been injured through dance or ballet, um, come let us pray for you. And the other one was a foot injury. It doesn't matter how you got it, but Jesus wants to heal it. And then Sarah had a picture during worship for us. Um, So Nancy was talking about the waves of mercy and love coming over us. And as she was saying that, I got this picture and then throughout um, Randy talking, it was just, like, clearer and clearer. It's, um, yeah, so there's this person laying on the beach, and the waves are coming up, and they're laying face down, their head in the sand. And the waves are coming up and washing over them and then carrying stuff back, like all of the bad stuff back. So specifically what came to mind is like shame and fear and all of... Um, Yeah, like our fleshly pursuits, right, that our body um, is drawn to is being washed back into the water, but that person's face is in the sand and they can't see that. And um, yeah, and then right before I walked up, it was like their hands are behind their back and it's not actually tied, but they believe that it's tied behind their back. So they're living um, like almost as a prisoner. And so I pulled back and you can see a bunch of us lined up and some of us are face up and we can look down and we can see like that God is moving and God is cleaning us and God is, um, yeah, renewing us and we're like living in the spirit and then some of us are face down and we can't actually see um, what he has done and how we are actually free. We're living as if we're in bondage when we really are not, so.
2: That's That's awesome. Well, I just invite you to respond to any invitation. Whatever God is speaking to you, if you need to come forward and kneel and be with God, you need someone to pray for you, you need to turn to someone uh, in in the congregation and say, would you pray for me? Respond to the invitation of God today to life and peace. Amen. Go in peace to love and to serve the Lord.